It's uh, great to be here with all of you, uh, to see some uh, happy faces, see some old faces, some older faces, and some new faces. It's encouraging. I don't know if it bothers you guys if I move this a little. Probably. Sorry. Uh, but it's so great to be here, guys. And I wanted to mention one thing. I know uh, it's great to be here visiting, but I wanted to uh, make one announcement here real quick if I could. Uh, there's a brother up here in the fourth, fifth row. And uh, whew, hopefully I can get through this without. Um, there's a brother named Joe Pareto. He's here visiting from the Reno Church, um, which is awesome. And I don't know anything about the Reno Church, but to me, that's not what's awesome. Joe is my very best friend from Guam. Uh, he was my best man. I was his best man. And uh, whew, he is just an awesome, awesome brother. I'm so grateful. He called us. We were going to get to see each other, right? Uh, and uh, I said, where are you going to be? He said, I'm going to be in Arlington. I said, Joe, I'm going to be in Arlington. And so I just was, I was so looking forward to come and see you guys. That was like a special treat. So it's so great to see Joe. I love him. I want to encourage you guys, if you get a chance to meet him, he's an amazing brother. Um, but, uh, you know, as most of you guys know, we were here for about two years. Uh, we moved out to Lubbock uh, to lead the church there. And, um, you know, we've been there for, uh, I guess, about a year and a half now, back about a year and a half. And I wanted to show you guys a picture. We took a picture last Sunday. And uh, this is us in our, in our church building. And I uh, wanted to kind of, I was trying to do a video. I thought, man, I could do a cool video or something. But we just took a picture for the church just to see you guys to see kind of what's going on. Um, you know, I want you guys to know, uh, I know Special Missions is coming up pretty soon. Uh, and it's something that we think about. And if you've been around for any number of years, you kind of feel like it's just something, well, we just do that. It's just what we do. It's something we have. But I, but I hope that we can get a sense of it is so much more than that. That it's not just, okay, I just need to give this much money, all right. It's, it's, it doesn't it become a habit to us, but we understand that, you know, you see this group of 50 people here. You know, there's a group in uh, College Station, I don't know, 60 or 70 people in College Station. Down in Corpus Christi, a group of 20 or 30, something like that. And this is just these small groups here and there. But to know that we're going to be planting other churches in the very near future. And, guys, we're so grateful uh, for the Dallas Church in particular, uh, because, you know, so much of the, the help that you give, special missions, goes to really support us as we continue to try to reach out in Lubbock and, and Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and other cities around the state. So, guys, I want to encourage you as you give. I hope you don't just give it kind of blindly or, or um, pa- without passion, like Bill was talking about, but that we have this passion of understanding, maybe I'm not there, and if you ever want to move there, please move there, Okay. But maybe I don't live there, but I can do something. I can give. I can help. And I know, you know, in, in 1994, when we moved to Guam to be part of the mission team, it was because people were giving. And we're all here today because somebody somewhere gave. So for us, it's a matter of, I hope it's more than just giving. I hope it's a matter of we're impacting souls, okay? So I want to share with you guys something this morning. Um, as I have some, something I've been thinking about a lot lately. And it's been burning in my heart, kind of. And you ever notice where you'll be talking about something, and then all of a sudden you start seeing it everywhere? Have you had that? You, start, you, you hear about uh, some kind of squirrel, right? And all of a sudden you hear about this squirrel somewhere else, right? And you, you see the squirrel and you go, wow, it's everywhere now. And we learned the other day by watching this uh, TV show that it's because now, it's aware, now you're aware of it. it is, it's not like it, it's a new squirrel that just popped up out of nowhere. You just weren't aware of that squirrel in the past. Okay, but now you're aware of it, and so now you start seeing it everywhere, and this is the way this thing is, and 
the, the sermon this morning is titled All In, All Out. Okay, and, and I'm a guy who I love stuff that just fires you up, okay? I mean, I, I don't think I'm a good necessarily guy. At, like, I'm going to teach you the scripture. We're going to go through the book of Leviticus. and I'm going to teach you all the ins and outs. But for me, I love, like, let's get fired up. Let's be excited about what we're doing. Um, and, you know, I appreciate I started listening to Mark's lessons as the last couple of weeks as I was getting ready to come out. And uh, he talked about really making it simple, right? He talked about the simple life of Jesus. And I thought, how do we make it simple? Because we get so complicated. Life feels so, oh, my, it just feels complicated all the time. But how do we make it simple? And, and I was trying to figure out, how do I help everybody? Because here's the thing. We're all at different places today, right? Maybe you're a super religious person. Church is your life. I grew up like that. Man, I go to church all the time. I didn't like it all the time, but I went all the time. Or maybe you're not a religious person at all. You're like, I don't like church. I'm just here because my friend invited me. I'm just here because whatever you put in your reason there, I'm here for whatever reason. But I want to ask you a question. And, and please don't, don't think about it too much. Okay, It's one of those things. I'm going to ask you a question. Just, you don't have to answer. Just think in your head what word comes to mind. I'm going to give you two options. When we talk about being a Christian, what comes to your mind? Exciting or boring? Exciting a few people? All right. You notice nobody who said boring spoke up? We weren't going to yell, boring! Right? You're not going to do that. It's like a review on, on Yelp. You're, if it's a bad, a bad thing, you'll, you'll give the review. But it's... it's to me, I mean, honestly, if we're, we're, it could be boring sometimes. It can get boring sometimes. But I'll say this to you. I, I, well, let me put the, put, say this first before I say that. We have this view of Christianity is this. There are things in the Bible I'm supposed to do and not do, and that's all it is. And because of that, it gets boring. Because the Bible tells me things like this. Don't have sex if you're not married. The Bible says don't lust. Don't get drunk. Don't get angry. Don't lie. Don't be selfish. And the problem with that is, at one time or another, we want to do those things. Right? One time or another, so it's hard. And isn't being a Christian supposed to be better than not being a Christian? So is it something that I'm really happy and joyful and fired up about it? And here's what we do. We make it about what we're not supposed to do. We make it about the rules. And there's not any purpose and excitement behind it sometimes. And here's what we try to do. We try to live our lives based on how we feel, don't we? Well, I, why did you make that choice? Well, I felt right. Why did you do that? Well, that's what I felt like I was supposed to do. And sometimes that works out great. Sometimes it's okay. But a lot of times it's not. If you're like me, I've made decisions based on feelings where, man, I messed it up. Messed up my relationships. Messed up my money. Messed up my school. Messed up everything. And I feel like life could be hit or miss. It's trial and error. I'm going to try. You know, and then maybe somewhere along the way we go, if I go to church, that, that should help me. I need to go find God. And it, maybe it does for a while. But then even after we come in here and we can be in church for years and years and years, we lose the excitement of being a Christian. So I have a question for you. Christian, not religious, I don't care. I want to ask a question for you. Are you happy in your life? Are you really happy in your life? You know, we sing songs, right? This really convicted me a few weeks ago. We were singing, uh, glory, glory, since I laid my burdens down. You guys know that song? And there's a line that goes, I'm so happy. 
oh, so happy. And I was seeing that, and I was like, really? Because we sing it, and we don't really think about what we're singing. We just sing. But I thought, am I really so happy? Now, I'm not sad. I'm not down. I'm not discouraged. But am I really, oh, so happy? We sing this song, I feel good, good, right? Do I really? So I want you to ask yourself that question. Do you really feel good? And maybe not the second. Maybe the second you're like, man, great service. I'm fired up. But tomorrow when you're at work, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, are we happy? Are we full of joy? And if not, why not? What's missing? I don't care. Christian, not a Christian. Religious, not. What's missing? I'll tell you what's missing. Life gets boring when you don't feel like your life matters. You don't feel like your life matters. You have no purpose. And truth be told, your life doesn't make a difference. And that's when we get bored. That's when we get down. Because here's the thing, guys. We were made to make a difference. We were made to do something in the world. And some of us have been around for years, right? This year, Mary and I will have been disciples 25 years. I go, how old am I? I'm not that old. 25 years. And we can look at our lives and go, man, I remember I used to be radical. And I used to make disciples. And I used to go all out. And I used to be all about it. But what about now? And can a married person somewhere say amen? amen. Okay. Because we got campus people who are like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm ready. You know, campus people are like, let's go, baby. And some of us older married people, we're like, oh, do I have to go? Right? But, but, guys, the thing is, we used to have a purpose and be alive and excited. And maybe here's what happened. Life happened. Life happened. Or here, maybe you're new here. Okay, maybe you're brand new. Your first time to come to church. You haven't been around long. You're trying to figure life out. What, what do I really need in my life? You're looking for something that you know there's more. We always know there's more. You're looking for more. And I'm glad you're here this morning because I think you found what you're looking for. Okay? Um, I'm going to tell you as we get started. Um, one thing I want to say, if you're an older Christian, and, and this doesn't matter, if you're older Christian, new Christian, not a Christian, brand new, you're important to the creator, and he didn't make life to be boring, okay? So that's what I want to get out this morning. I believe life is supposed to be an adventure. And who doesn't like an adventure? How many of us, especially married people, I, I like to talk to married people because I'm a married person. Like, if you say, man, what's missing in your marriage? You might say, adventure. We come home. We watch TV. We eat food. We take care of our kids. Go to work. Come home. Eat TV. I mean, eat food, watch TV. <laughs> you know what I mean. But it just becomes routine, right? It becomes routine. And we get bored with life. We want adventure. We all want adventure. That's why we do crazy things. Why do people bungee jump? You don't get anything out of it. It's adventure. Why do we jump out of planes? Adventure. Why do we go on vacation? To relax and have an adventure, right? We love adventure. So what can we do if we lost the excitement? What can you do if you never had the excitement? Maybe you don't even know what I'm talking about. What do we do? But if we want life to be an adventure, there's two things. The first one this morning is to go all in. Go all in. I'm going to show you another picture here. All right. This was our church service last week, and uh, I know Todd was like, all right. 
No, this actually was Wednesday night. Uh, Texas Tech played Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma is number three in the nation. Tech beat them. This is what happened. They, people went crazy. They stormed the whole state, and there was a guy up on top trying to cut off the net. He's not even on the team. I'm dead serious about that. Not even a joke. So when I saw this picture online, I thought, I got to save that picture. You know why? These people are all in. These people are fired up. They scream. They yell. They're cursing at the referees during the, when he makes a bad call. They are all in. You know what happens next week when Tech loses? We're not storming the court. Where are they? We're not storming the court. We're not all in it. See? So there's sometimes we will get all in, but it's, it doesn't last. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't make a difference. The first one is to go all in. Let's turn to Luke chapter 9. And I'm going to go to, this is the scripture that Mark uh, has used uh, for the last couple of weeks. And I, I thought it was perfect. Very fitting for this. Mark chapter 9 and verse 57. I'm sorry, Luke. I was thinking about Mark Mancini. My bad. Luke 9, 57, it says this, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another person, come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first, let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for service in the kingdom of God. Some interactions with Jesus, right? And understand, this is not a parable. This really, these are real people. These guys wanted to follow Jesus, doesn't it seem like? The first guy was like, Jesus, I'll go. And it's interesting to me that Jesus said, foxes have dens, birds have nests. Why did Jesus say that? I think because he knew this guy... He needed to know. He needed to know. And these other things go on. You know, Jesus, when he talked to them, he wanted them to follow him. But the expectation was, if you're going to follow me, you've got to be all in. You've got to be all in. I want you to follow, but you can't hold anything back. All of these guys, though, they had something they put in front of Jesus. It was something that was just more important than Jesus. And isn't it interesting? We don't know what their names were. Who was that? Who was that uh, guy's name? I, I, don't, I don't know. Was it another Mark? Was it, I don't know what his name was. There's no name. I believe we don't know their names because they didn't follow Jesus. When I read a scripture, I think they probably went back to their boring lives. But let's turn to Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Mark chapter 1 and see what might have been different. We'll actually read uh, verse 16. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother San, uh, Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they were fishing for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. What a difference between these guys and the other guys in Luke 9. And I think it's interesting that these guys in Luke 9, you know their names. Who hasn't heard of Peter? Who hasn't heard of John? Who hasn't heard of James? 
Why have we heard of them? I believe because they went all in. They went all in. <laughs> they left everything to follow Jesus. And I would encourage you, go spend some time reading about their lives. Go read about their lives. You want to talk about adventure. They helped people. They changed lives. They were themselves radical. They preached. They got arrested. They were part, wherever they went, there was like mobs and riots. Doesn't that sound like adventure? That can't be boring if there's a riot. It's not boring. The Bible even says the men who turned the world upside down. That's how it refers to them. You can't have a boring life and turn the world upside down. That's adventure, man. And that's, I'm like, I want that adventure. What an exciting thing. Over and over in the Bible, we see this. We see Jesus calling people to follow him. And the call was not this. Can you come to church Sunday and Wednesday? Will you show up for Bible talk? That was not the call. The call was this. It was all or nothing. It was give up everything, love him first, die to yourself, give everything you have. Read it. It's in there over and over and over. Everything you have. We're called to the same thing today, to be all in. And we want to follow Jesus, but here's the problem sometimes. We want to follow him um, because we have some issues in our life. Or for many of us, it's a get-out-of-hell-free card. Hey, I'm just, that's how I am. I'm like, well, I don't want to go to hell, so I better go to church. Right? It's boring, but I, it's, worse, it's better than going to hell. Right? Here's what happens. We only want to follow enough to fix the issues in our life. And if that's where we are, I'm not saying everybody is, but if that's where you are, what we're saying is we want to live our lives and have Jesus follow us. I want to live my life, but I want an insurance policy in case it doesn't work out the way I think it should. We want him to be around. We want the comfort of knowing that he's there. But I don't want him to radically change my life. But I want the comfort of knowing he's there. And you can't follow Jesus without changing. Period. There is no maybe, I don't, let's not, we're changing. You cannot do that. What does that mean? Giving up everything, learning from him, becoming like him, living the way he lived. And here's the problem with us, especially church people. This could become jargon. Give up everything. I know. Be sacrificial. I know. Mark said that last week. It can become jargon to us. So what does it really mean for life? It sounds good in a sermon. Give up everything, but what about life? What does it really mean? It means living for what God wants. It means giving up. You stop trying to hold on to your life. Instead of doing what you feel, you start going, what would God have me do? Instead of doing what I think is right, I go, what does God say is right? Instead of saying, well, this is what I want. Oh, there it is. We say, what does God want? What does God want? What would he do? How would Jesus feel about this situation? And here's the thing. I feel like we don't really go all in because we're afraid we're going to miss out on something else. We do. We think we're going to miss out on something else. If I become religious, that's weird. And probably because we grew up around weird religious people, right? We didn't really grow up around Jesus. What a big difference. Think about the guys in Luke, 3, uh, Luke 9. There was something else, right? What do they want? Comfort? There was sentimentality. 
They wanted to put their family first. And you know what, guys? Those things are fine. The Bible never says it's sin to have a nice, comfortable couch. Right? The Bible never says, hey, don't love your family. It says, love your family. But those things are not adventure. They're not exciting. They're not full of purpose. They don't change the world. They don't change us. And here's the other part. We've been trying it by ourselves for so long. Why is it that you're not finally happy? How come it hasn't got you to where you think it's going to get you? How come it hasn't worked? Why is something still missing? I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to give you the secret, okay? Not going all in is like trying to build IKEA furniture without using the instructions. Okay? I like this one. I don't even know why the dude's got a ladder. It's like trying to build IKEA furniture without using the instructions. You might get something that resembles what it's supposed to be, but it's not quite right. And here's the other part about it. It won't do what it was designed to do. I wouldn't put my TV in that thing. Why? Because I don't trust it to hold it up. It, wasn't, it was designed to hold a TV, but it's not put together right. And that's how we do life, guys. We try to assemble life with our feelings. Oh, I don't need the instructions. I, that's, it looks right. I don't need the instructions. It's supposed to go like this. I don't know what the leftover parts are, but it's okay. It looks right. And it might even work somewhat, but it doesn't do everything it's supposed to do. Because it was designed to do something. You were designed to do something. You were created for a purpose. Let's turn to Acts chapter 3. Acts 3 and verse 12. Okay. It says, Peter saw this opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why do you stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own power, our godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors who has brought about glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you had handed over, sorry, who you handed over and rejected before Pilate. Despite Pilate's decision to release him, you rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. This is the verse. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. Uh, we are witnesses of the fact. I read that because it tells us who he is. He is the author of life. The author of life. Guys, for us, here's what I think. It is time for us to stop chasing money, stop rela- chasing relationships, chasing comfort. We tried it for that way so long, and it's always the same outcome. Why don't we chase the author of life? He's the one who created everything. We want a life that's full of adventure. We want a life that's exciting. Why don't we chase the one who built it? And ask him, what's it supposed to be like, Jesus? You made it. Show me. But instead, we try to figure it out, baby. And man, it drives us crazy. All in. We got to be all in chasing the author of life. The second one goes along with the first one. And the second point is to go all out. All in, all out. 
Because here's the thing, first of all, as a Christian, we're not meant to just live a comfortable life. I get to go to heaven and sit and watch TV all day. That's not how Jesus was. I was reading scripture last week, last week, and uh, it was when uh, the, uh, this guy's uh, son was sick, and he said, uh, please come heal my son. And the point was, it was at 7 in the morning that the guy came to Jesus and asked him uh, to come heal his son. And I thought Jesus was already about it at 7 in the morning. Oh, 7 in the morning, I'm like, kids, let's go. Get up, we got to get coffee, we got to whatever. Jesus was already about his work at 7 in the morning. Oh, how about, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in a ministry, so I'm, a, I, you know, I'm, I'm, now before I was in a ministry, I might not have said what time, I might have said what day. Or I might have said, which week are you talking about? Jesus was about it at 7 in the morning. Jesus was all out. So what does it mean? It means living a life that has a purpose. It means living a life that matters. Right? It means being a part of something that matters, making a difference. <coughs> Remember Mark 1. And this is part of what, what started me on this whole all-in, all-out thing. Okay? I was reading Mark 1 where Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. It struck me that when Jesus said, come follow me, he didn't say things like, come follow me, and I'll make you happy. He didn't say, come follow me, and I'll help you be a part of a nice, great church. That's really awesome. He didn't say, come follow me, and I'm going to give you some peace and give you some joy. Or I'm going to take up your Sundays and your Wednesdays. No, he said, come follow me. I'm going to teach you to go and catch men. He called them for a purpose. He called and gave them a purpose. He was going to give them a reason to live. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Matthew 5, 14. I love this scripture. My goodness. Matthew 5, 14. The Bible says this. You are the light of the world. heard it for so long that it becomes empty to us. But the Bible says, no, you are the light of the world. And guys, the world is dark. Do you realize we're the light? That's a life that's supposed to matter. It's a life that's supposed to make a difference. It's a purpose of going and helping other people and teaching them to be all in too. Here's what it is. It's teaching them how to put their Ikea furniture together properly. Okay? Then it'll work the way it's supposed to work. Then it'll do what it's supposed to do. It'll be what it was meant to be. So I have a few questions for you this morning. What is your purpose? What are you living for? What is your goal in life? A lot of us would say to be happy. That's my goal in life. But how? By doing what you feel? How come you're not happy yet? <laughs> how come you haven't gotten there yet? What will your life matter? Or what difference does your life make? I ask you that because of this. One day, you will die. Okay, I don't know if you're aware of that. But one day, you will die. And within two generations, likely no one will remember who you are. Isn't that discouraging? You mean I do all this stuff and in two generations, nobody's going to remember me? That's discouraging, I think. Even if you help the poor, even if you're the most handsome guy in the room, even if you have more money than everybody else, it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to remember you. Maybe we can tell you who our great-great-grandparents were, right? 
Let's go one more generation. Who was your great, great, great grandparent? You don't know. Nobody remembers that person. Isn't that kind of sad? Now imagine this. Imagine you said, forget all. I'm not going to worry about getting money. I'm going to go all in and follow Jesus. Your life is not your own. You're living for God. You're, you're doing all these things, teaching others, helping them to live the adventure as well. You're making a difference in their lives. Imagine that's your life. And you meet a guy, he's having a tough time. You know, he's just really down. And you teach him about God. You teach him the Bible. You say, man, life is supposed to have a purpose. And you teach him all these things, and he's like, I'm going all in. He goes all in. A few years later, he gets married. Now, his wife is all in. He gets married to this awesome Christian girl. They grow up. They get older and have kids. And then when his kids become teenagers, maybe in their 20s, the kids become disciples, and they go all in. They're living like Jesus. People, you know, it's a, a virtual uh, furniture factory. Okay, we're putting stuff together. And then one day you're old, okay? One day you're old. And you're over hanging out with them, sitting in a wheelchair, maybe, rocking chair, hopefully. Um, <laughs> and, and the grandkids are sitting around, and... It's, it's their, their grandpa that you're sitting with. And they're like, Grandpa, tell us how you became a Christian. And he's like, this is my friend right here, Roddy. He met me. He invited me to church. Or you're sitting around and they're like, let me tell you about my friend, Bev Ozan. She met me and invited me out. And because of that, our whole generations of, of, of family have changed. Because of that. Because of this guy, because of that person. Roy Schmidt's the guy who invited me to church. 1990, maybe 1991, early 91. Roy Schmidt, I don't know where he is now, but I always remember his name. I will tell my kids and I will tell my grandkids his name. Now, will they remember him forever? I don't know, but it's important to me. Why? Because he helped change my life. Guys, everybody in here has a story. Everyone in here was impacted by someone else. You're a Christian or you're here visiting because somebody else reached out. Teens, I want to say something for a second. You know, most of you guys, your parents are, are disciples. I guess all the teens are right here, right? I'm just looking around. I don't know. looks like you're right here. But your parents are disciples, guys, and you may not be there right now. But I want you to understand the incredible opportunity that you have ahead of you. You have the opportunity not to live that boring life. What a cool thing. Maybe you're not there right now, but just know that it's waiting for you. It is waiting for you, and it is going to be so powerful. But guys, we're all here because somebody gave special missions contribution. We're here because someone reached out to us. We're here because somebody was not afraid to invite you. Or maybe they were, and they just got over it. We're all here because someone else was all out. So here's the question as we get ready to close out. Are we all out this morning? Or do we think Christianity means I get my sins forgiven and then I can go back to my boring life? I don't want that. I don't think you want that. Guys, if we're not on the mission, it is not exciting. I'm just telling you right now, it is not exciting. Here's the last verse, Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 25. And I read this scripture in my baptism. Um, it's about the only thing I remember really from, it was six in the morning after all night prayer. So 
I remember reading this scripture, though. Matthew 16, 25. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? Yet you lose your very soul. Is anything worth more than your soul? Wow. What did Jesus say? If you hold on to your life, guys, again, we make those scriptures, they become boring to us. Why? Because you've heard it so long. But when we look at this, that's what we do. If you hold on to your life, we hold on to our lives. We hold on to, let me hold on to my time and my money. I'll give some, but I don't want to give it all. And then we wonder why life is hard. It's because we're half in there and we're half in there. We're not all in one or the other. And that's why life gets tough. And that's why we don't make an impact. That's why we don't see lives change because we're not fishing for men. We're not helping anyone put their furniture together right. And when we're doing that, life gets boring, guys. And I don't want a boring life. I want a life that is all in and all out. I'm going to share one thing with you guys as I quit. It's a manifesto that I found online. And it's actually the guy who wrote the uh, prayer circle book. And this is his kind of all-in manifesto. And it's one of those things that I never would have looked for this, except that now this all-in thing was on my heart. So I started looking at things, and I go, wow, that's really cool. This is really cool. So here's what it says. It says, quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-ordained passions. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Keep asking questions. Keep making mistakes. Keep seeking God. Stop pointing out problems and become part of the solution. Stop repeating the past and start creating the future. Stop playing it safe and start taking risks. Expand your horizons. Accumulate experiences. Enjoy the journey. Find every excuse you can to celebrate everything you can. Live today like it's the first day and the last day of your life. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Burn sinful bridges. Blaze new trails. Don't let fear dictate your decisions. Take a flying leap of faith. Quit holding out. Quit holding back. Push all your chips to the middle of the table. It's time to ante up all of your faith. It's time to go all in. It's time to go all out. What an awesome thing. Guys, Let's pray.